This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Gym Day Podcast is brought to you by Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Now batting number one in our hearts. At least he'd like to think so. It's the Jim Day Podcast. All right, here we are. Another edition of the Jim Day Podcast. We're presented by Kroger. Thank you very much for tuning in. And if you've listened to previous episodes, you know that while they're mostly evergreen and they're not too topical, it's usually guest oriented and story oriented but we are going off of my beaten path today because we're going to do a topical conversation because of the alleged return of baseball we shall see a lot can happen in a month's time but a lot of exciting things going forward and a lot of questions as well so the best way to answer the questions in my mind is to talk to the scribes that being the writers we're going to have a little writers round table here today MLB and Red Style, and we have an esteemed panel here today. Let's see, should I start with seniority or should I start with smart assery level? That actually might be the same person. Yeah. <laughs> so, from the Cincinnati Inquirer, John Fay is here. His compadre, Bobby Nightingale, from the Inquirer is along with us. See. Trent Rosecrans making his Jim Day podcast debut and back for the attack. Back on the podcast. Don't serve this guy eggs or pancakes around noontime. He is Mark Sheldon from MLB.com. How are we doing, esteemed panel? We're good. Fantastic. Uh, I will throw this out to you, and I, we didn't flip a coin as to who's going to answer this first, but um, did you think we would get here? Were, were there times where you doubted that we would actually be here? We'd be on looking at a 60-game season, an abbreviated season, um, with all the arguing that was going on back and forth between the two sides and the COVID pandemic and all the protocols. Did you think we would get here? At first I did, yeah. I was pretty confident that there would be a season. I was watching like everyone else and looking at the the way things were going, and then – about a week and a half, two weeks ago, I turned very pessimistic. I really did not think this was going to happen, especially when the commissioner said that he wasn't 100% sure they could start a season. And there was talk about trying to get away from having the grievance files and all those other things. The players and the owners were all fighting either via leaks or sources or uh, Twitter. So I, I got very, really negative. But I'm, I'm, I'm relieved that it's here, that we – have a chance to start a season. I hope it gets off the ground. There's a lot of things still happening with, with uh, the pandemic, but I, 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 I'm, I'm really glad that we're here and that we're actually able to talk about what's happening forward instead of looking back at old games and history and top five lists. I, those were fun to do, but I'm, I'm really ready to do baseball and cover games. Yeah, I got to say, during uh, all of this, you guys were just searching for things to write about, and you all creatively came up with some great stuff, so kudos to all of you. 
uh, for the things you wrote during the downtime because you did have to get creative. Uh, Trent, what says you? Do you think uh, you surprised that we're here? I'm not surprised we're here, quite honestly. I'm still not convinced on July 23rd or 24th that we'll be at a ballpark. Yeah, that's that's going to be more surprising to me. That's what I have a lot more doubt. Uh, There was too much to lose to get to this point. And the commissioner always had in his back pocket that 50 or 60 days, whatever. And that, you know, uh, to me, it was quite obvious they were stalling to 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 push it until that's all the only option they had. So I always assumed we would get to this point um, because that is something that is actually inside their control. Uh, the J- July 23rd, July 24th actual games, that is, quite honestly, there are things out of their control. Uh, this is all paper happenings right now. This is all on paper. This is all hypothetical. When you get people into a stadium, that's a different story, and we'll see where that is in a month. So sorry for the buzzkill. That's all right. We're, this, this whole thing might be a buzzkill. But it is reality. And if you look at reality, you go back to even March and what happened the end of March to the end of April. I mean, it was amazing the amount of things that happened in one month. So you never know what's going to happen. And by the way, we're recording this on Saturday morning, the 27th. So if any news comes out after that, obviously we're not going to be on top of that. So just letting you know there. John Fay. 60-game season, a lot of people think, uh, okay, we're going to put an asterisk by this. It's it's not going to be a legitimate winner, but everyone's on the same page. Everyone, if they do play, will be playing 60 games. What do you think of the 60-game season? You know, I, I don't think anybody knows exactly what it's going to be like, but it, I think it's extraordinary that you're going to have a 60-game season. It's going gonna, it's gonna, to – I think it'll be cool. I, I – I'm very curious to see how it goes. I think it, the, the game is different. When you go from 162 to 60, they have to manage things different. I think the, the Reds are in good shape because they have a good DH. But I think it negates the fact that they have a pretty good start starting rotation. So they're going to have to figure that out. And, I, you know, you know, behind the scenes, they've been working on this. And they're trying to figure out what to do. But I, I think that the season's going to be so based on – what your middle relief is and if the Reds can find some middle relief because starters are going to have four innings maybe then to get the back end of the bullpen so yeah I think it's totally different I and and I think fans are just curious that what's going to look like with the you know the extra inning thing and all that so it's, it's it's really going to be different but I don't think anyone knows exactly how it's going to be which I think is it's fun I mean I I think you know fans the, the owners versus the players, the fans got so tired of that. All they wanted to know, are they coming back? They're back. I think they will be interested to see what it is that we have when they come back. Bobby Nightingale is much younger than the rest of us. As a person from a younger generation, Bobby, uh, what do you think about these rule changes? Because there's uh, some of us that are older, are like, oh my, no, 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 don't do that. No, we're, you know, a lot of us are, are pure. Some of us are not. Uh, what do you think about these proposed rule changes? 
I'm 100% embraced it. I mean, I think it'll be exciting kind of picking back off what John said. I mean, it just, it's something different. It's something that no one's kind of been a part of. I just think the fact that every game matters, you know, every bullpen implosion, you can just imagine how the uproar of fans just on the first one when a team blows a three run lead. I mean, I just think it's like football now where almost, you know, a 16 game schedule in the NFL, every game, everyone's tuned in, everyone's paying attention to it. I think it's easy for baseball fans to pay attention for 60 games. So to me, that's something that's exciting. You're going to see pitchers used differently. Um, I think the second inning rule, baseball is the only sport where when it gets to an overtime, fans leave. So I think that's an exciting change where you put the runner on second base. Uh, it's a different twist, but I just think there's a lot to the season where I'm intrigued. I've embraced it all. If it's going to be different than a 162-game season, I like that it's this different and that every game matters as much as it will. Yeah. I've done – when interacting with fans or doing interviews, uh, people seem to be – you know, the rule changes in the shortened season, and people seem to be, like, taking their frustrations out on baseball as if 2020, everything isn't different. That's why I tried to tell people, like, you name one thing that isn't different during this. And they couldn't name one. So some, somehow just at times taking it out on baseball. Of course it's going to be different. If we get to July 23rd, 24th, and they start baseball with the protocols in place, can they pull this off? Do you think they can pull, as you sit here right now, can they pull the season off? I think it'll be up to the, the discipline of the coaches, the players. You know, it's one thing to have the rules in place. It's a whole other thing to follow them. Uh, as you've seen around this community, I'm sure you drive by a restaurant or uh, a bar and you know other places, and there's very little social distancing sometimes. Some places are better than others, and it's ultimately going to come out to what the players do in their private time if they heed all the warnings and don't bring the virus back into the ballpark with them. Then, yes, it can get off the ground, but that's, that's asking a lot, especially for the teams that are in Florida, Texas, and Arizona. Yeah, I, I think no one knows. I've harkened back to this many times, but when we, when they shut it down, we sat there with Dick Williams and Tucker Barnhart and Tucker Barnhart said, hopefully we'll start on April 9th. Yeah. I mean, at, at that time, it seemed like, oh yeah, it, it'll be just a little shutdown and, and we'll be back. And we know what happened since. So I, I think the pandemic is going to, going to decide what happens. You know, hopefully they can get out and, and do it. I think they've, put a, a lot of protocols in, but as Mark said, you don't know. I mean, are, are the players going to adhere to this? Because by and large, people haven't, you know, people are doing what, what they're doing. So I think, I think that's going to determine, I, I think that they have it set up. They have it, you know, they put all these protocols in, 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 uh, to that, that it could go smoothly if, if they follow them, but, it's up to the players. It's up to the everyone. And, and I think the players, if they get it, they will recover, but there's a lot of older people around the players. So managers and things like that. And John, um, yeah. I, I'm skeptical. <laughs> Our first shot across the bow. <laughs> yes. See, I, I was like, man, we're, we're really serious here. This is not like sitting in the press box at all because normally we're just crushing each other. So first shot across the bow. See Trent, but very nicely done. I, I, I'm here to normalize things. Um, 
I'm I'm skeptical, uh, just because. Well, we're, we're seeing it kind of work in in Europe, but we're seeing a lot of things work in Europe that we don't do in the United States. You know, so far we've seen the resumption of play in well the CPBL and that's Asia and the NPB. We're all in the KBO. Um, we're also seeing it with the I have a Bundesliga game on right now. Um, we've seen a little bit of the Premier League and the Bundesliga. Those things are going on okay but when you look at those countries and you look at their uh their trends they're a lot different than they are in this country um and also kind of like piggybacking on what john said about the you know remember the just going on about how things change remember when we were thinking there's going to be everybody in arizona or everybody in arizona texas and florida how does that how did those plans sound a couple years late a couple months later not so good um and in like the NBA, you know, they they have this whole system, this bubble, but they're putting a bubble in the middle of chaos, you know, and it's a lot of things can change very quickly between now and and really the end of October. It's uh, there's going to be a lot of crossed fingers. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And, you know, no one. You have to do what you have to do during these times. We found that out just living our daily lives. If they play, our work environments are going to change immensely. Uh, one of the things we are gonna we're not gonna have access to any of the players except via a Zoom call. Maybe you'll be able to, you know, you'll be able to text a player, or call a player on the phone if you have that uh, luxury or relationship with a player, but. Um, there are so many protocols in place. Uh, one, you can go to the games, but basically not leave the press box, which now at Great American Ballpark is down the third baseline, which they've totally changed that. I don't know if that's great timing or good timing or not. But have you guys thought about how you're going to do your jobs? Because a lot of the job is work in the clubhouse when the, the, the clubhouse is open to the media, trying to – Get relationships with players where they will give you something that maybe no one else has. But if they're just doing Zoom calls with mass media, you guys are going to have trouble coming up with stuff that other people don't don't have. Have you thought about how you're going to go about your jobs? I just think we're going to lose a lot of nuance. I mean, there's a lot of times in the clubhouse, like after a game, where you don't really have a question, but you just, you know, what happened at second base in the fourth inning there? And it's just something that kind of informs you. I mean, it's a minor fact. It's not a big deal. But now you're not going to be able to ask that. And, you know, there's a lot of guys in post-game press conferences and such like that that we're not going to, you know, the team will make a few guys available through Zoom. But we're going to be talking to a lot fewer players per day than we're used to. So I think you're going to lose a ton of nuance. You're going to see a lot more editorializing in print. And, you know, I'm sure there's going to be guys that are going to complain, players that are like, you know, my reaction on the field, I wasn't mad. I was just kidding. But we're not going to be able to figure that out because we're not going to be able to talk to them. Yeah, we had a long discussion on texting yesterday about this. It is, it's going to be totally different. To, to cover is going to be completely different. We're not going to have – because you know how it works. It's, you know, we stand in the clubhouse and you, you might not think you're going to talk to someone, but then all of a sudden it occurs to you, oh, I can ask him about that and that kind of thing. That's all gone. So it's, you know – uh, you're going to talk to the players who had something to do with that game that night. 
not not the nuance stuff that you would get previously. And and a big thing is, you know, there's a difference between what you see on camera and when the guys walk away from the camera or when the cameras walk away. Usually, and this is a little sausage, how the sausage is made, but usually at post game, even even the big one, even the big like with the starting pitcher, all the questions will be asked on camera. Those cameras walk away. Those guys then kind of relax a little bit. And when they see me, John, Mark, Bobby, guys they see every day, especially on the road, there is a little bit more familiarity and, like Bobby said, nuance. And they can say, well, they can explain it where they're not being on camera. So you can kind of go a little bit better so that we can convey that meaning a little bit better. There is so much of that that is going to be lost because, you know, I often say when I talk to, to – young journalism students or whatever, uh, which is a scary thought. But I say your question should never be more important than the answer. So a lot of times you'll hear people on Twitter say, oh, that question was so bad. And it's like, no, no, no. A lot of times you ask questions stupidly because you know that's how it's going to get a good answer. And that gets lost when everything is recorded and shown on video. The answer is more important than the question. And I think that ability can be lost, especially when every post game is available and they're going to be streaming and channel five can show me looking like an idiot and it's going to show me looking like an idiot, but which is not hard to do, but maybe it elicits a good answer. And so many people will be focused on the stupid question as opposed to the good answer that a stupid question gets. Welcome to my world. And I think honestly that the one thing that happens is like when we are in the clubhouse and let's say a player is the goat of the game and maybe he doesn't want to talk on camera for whatever reason. And then we can go up to him and, you know, or maybe, you know, it's individual. You just go up and you ask a couple of quick questions and you get a really good answer or, or the non-answer may even be better. But now that player doesn't have to accept the, the request to go appear on camera. It's a lot easier to say no when you're not talking to us face-to-face. Sometimes it's, it's easier uh, just to do the interview and move on. But now they have to go physically out of the clubhouse into a spot where the, the camera location is to appear on Zoom. And that's, that again, the nuance is going to be lost. I think there will be some issues. I think players will actually, I know maybe in bigger markets won't say this, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if players actually miss having us in the clubhouse to a degree because we can parse out the the nuance of the conversation. We we have institutional knowledge of what goes on. And uh, and I think their, their views, like I think Bobby said, we might, not we necessarily, but people might be more prone to editorializing or not giving, you know, accurate information because they don't ask the question in a, in a more intimate setting. Do you guys foresee non-cooperation from some players because of what went on with the labor dispute that the media might represent the, not that we're representing the owner's side, but just not wanting to cooperate. Do you sense that happening? I don't think it'll be any different than, them not cooperating in person. I mean, we all know who those guys are There's around the league. There's some guys that have better reputations than others, but who are they, Mark? What's that? <laughs> I said, who are they, Mark? Name names. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'll say that it was a, t- it was a good sign that Tucker Barnhart, the union rep got on zoom the other day w- along with Dick Williams. And if, if that tells me 
how it's going to be going forward, at least in Cincinnati, I, I would be encouraged by that. The fact that the union rep who's in on all the, the conversations was, was free to talk and, and, and optimistic and, and enthusiastic about it. Yeah, I, I think what he said, what Tucker said was really revealing. I think the players get it that he, he said the ramifications will last for a long time. I, I think, you know, we talk about them coming back, but it, it, it went on way too long in, in the mind of fans, pr pretty much everyone who follows the game that why couldn't they get to this agreement more quickly? Um, and I think Tucker said that, you know, as, as a baseball fan, what happened was really bad. I mean, they, they should be playing by now. Um, you knew they were going to come to an agreement eventually, but why, why did they delay it so long? It just did. I, I think it really hurt. I, I think when they start playing, it can go away, but I think fans really got tired of this back and forth between the, the two sides. It's funny though. Like the immediate reaction seemed to me, it, it was almost at least from what I heard. And this is all, you know, you get your news filtered now. And uh, my Twitter feed is not, I don't think it's uh, representative of the world at large, or God, I hope it's not. But, you know, I went from, oh, I'm never watching again. I'm so sick of these guys to baseball's back. Woohoo. We're ready. Yay. And I saw a pretty quick flip. Um, even uh, so, I, I, I think as humans, we have short memories and we get what we want. Um, sure, there might be a nagging thing in the back of the minds that, oh, they screwed this up again. But but when we are so deprived, uh, I think a lot of people are going to be back and watching it. And then now, after the 2022 strike, no, that's going to be tougher. Uh, so when we don't have a 2022 season, um, I think they're going to be harder to forgive. Uh, now it's just uh, supply and demand. There's supply of stuff on a Tuesday night to watch that's different and um, and new. So, I dare you, you to know. bring that bad mojo to the Gym Day podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, that has been C. Trent Rosecrans. We're going to wish him well and uh, no 2022. That's a whole nother podcast. We hope that doesn't happen. Just kidding. You can stay. <laughs> Damn, I wanted to leave. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, put Debbie Downer in timeout. Come on. Yeah, we should put Debbie Downer in a timeout. It's terrible. My bacon. <laughs> well, that was that was the other side of it. If they had not played, I think the damage would have been irreparable. I, I think it would have taken ten years to recover, because there's no way you can explain to a fan on either side why we didn't play. Yeah. If, if they can do it safely, I've written it from the beginning. If you can do it safely, you got to play, and it. When it when it looked like they might not, it's like, oh my god, you know what? What are they going to do this to this sport? Well, even me, at least publicly, Mister Positive, um, I was like, I mean, they even had me shaking my head, like, oh, this 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 really can't be happening. But right now, cooler heads have prevailed, sort of. Um, it kind of got to the end game and that being where it is now a 60 game season and let's let's talk let's talk baseball here uh a 60 game sprint geographical schedule as we record this the schedule has not been released but if you 
Um, everything that's been out there, it's going to be uh, NL Central, AL Central schedule, NL East, AL East versus each other. You'll play the NL Central teams 40 games. You'll play the a, uh, AL Central teams 20 games. Um, what do you think? What's going? Have you thought about how this season is going to unfold and uh, how when you put aside, oh, yeah, I wish it was 162 or I even wish it was 81, uh, but it's not a 60-game sprint, how exciting that can be. I think for the first time in a while, it's every team actually has a legitimate chance to make the playoffs, even the bad teams. I mean, the Pirates at the All-Star break last year were only a half game behind the Cardinals. Right. And by the end of the year, they finished 20 games back. But if you're a Pirates fan, you know you're going to enter a rebuild. The next few years really don't matter. This is kind of your one chance to be like, hey, you know, if you get off to an eight and two start, you actually have a legit chance for the first time and maybe the only time for a few years. The, the uh, sets up very well for the Reds. I mean, you got to remember going into the spring training, the other NL Central teams didn't do a whole lot to make improvements or upgrades. I mean, I suppose they still can between now and the new opening day, but uh, the Reds were looking pretty good in that division to begin with. And now they're, they're going to play 40 of their 60 games against those teams. I think that bodes well. They're more set up for a DH than the other teams are. And they have a better pitching staff. Uh, like John said, relief pitching is going to be huge uh, because of the shorter outings. But I, I think a 60 game schedule for the Reds is, is a, is a good thing. And like Bobby said, teams that were, you know, may have had no chance going into this year before definitely have a chance now. I'm a little disappointed there isn't an expanded playoffs for this. Um, a lot for the same reasons that Bobby said is that there's so many teams that have these chances. And there's something about just the simple math of three division winners and then two next best records. Um, now, I haven't seen any tiebreaker scenarios. I'm That's why I was my next question was what What are they going to do? There's going to be tie. I mean, 60 games. There's going to be several teams that are going to be tied. Yeah, it's. I, I'm guessing it's going to be the normal tiebreakers, but even then, it's going to be tough. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think a and from what I understand, uh, maybe maybe John, uh, Mark, Bobby know better than I, but I've talked to some people that. This is actually on the table any year until they start playing. They can still negotiate with the union and the league about the playoff um, uh, 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 format. So I don't know that this is set in stone. Um, I, I would assume it's status quo and it's probably going to happen. But I think there is a way to change it up until the time the games start. Uh, if it's uh, agreed upon in certain ways which we we know these these two sides are always agreeable can make quick work of anything so um but yeah i I just think i expanded i hate a 16 team playoff i hate that more teams would make the playoffs in half but in this year kind of going back to what bobby said earlier why not this year if any time can you imagine how much how fun would that be if the Reds, if everybody got into the playoffs, 16 teams got into the playoffs, that 16-team playoff, that sprint of a playoff after a sprint of a regular season, man, like, you know, and then a guy like Burke Badenhop comes in and is the the key to a game and somebody going into the playoffs. You know, just like a random person out of the blue. That, that would be... 
that would just be a lot of fun and like everybody would hit the showers and just be so excited it, it's just so much I, I think it's a missed opportunity not to have that um but you know hey i, I don't think we'll get to october anyway so you know maybe it's all new debbie downer again not getting to october <laughs> one of the things that if you looked at some of the iterations before the reds at one time they had three divisions and they were in with the Dodgers. So I think yeah. from the red standpoint, it worked out pretty good. If, if you're in with the Dodgers, I mean, that's, that's a kind of a tough thing to do. I think that's when they were talking about playing in Arizona. Which right. The whole time I'm thinking, if these people been to Arizona in July and August, first thing out of, yeah. I'm like, have you been there at seven, eight o'clock at night? It's still a hundred, 110 yeah. degrees. I got off the plane once and I was, you know, I'd gotten in the night before, a series started i was waiting for my rental car at 9 p.m it's dark and i i'm like it is hot and i look at my phone and it was like 115 degrees at night yep and th that happens in july and august yeah they say well it's a dry heat well i don't it's 115 is 115 go experience it certainly won't want to play nine any game and then do it you the next day right, as Pally. well. Yeah. We once uh, outside, they had a game, I think it was in August, in Phoenix, and it was blazing. It was like one of those record days, 115. It was near 120. And I fried an egg on the pavement outside of the TV truck. It actually fried. It was unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, so, And then you ate it for brunch. <laughs> Just to just to yeah. bother me. well, we, did, did you cook up a little bacon too? See, uh, Mark Sheldon, we, we have early. to see now. You've gone there. We've got to refresh the, the listeners' memories yeah, we here. Remember this from the last podcast. It's okay. Mark Sheldon vehemently against breakfast served at lunchtime, which often happens day games, particularly Sunday, in MLB media dining areas, which is. Just great dining, uh, but Not this like, year, yeah, no breakfast this year. I want breakfast lunch. at breakfast time. I don't want breakfast at lunch time. And he's, <laughs> GD right, right there. So you know that's uh, that's where that comes from. But uh, you don't have to worry about this year. It's the delicious box lunches. I'll eat my breakfast before I come to the park. Yeah. Well, we're allowed to bring food now. Not that we weren't before, but they're encouraging to bring your own food. Can't wait. <laughs> I actually might. Uh, I'll be searching for stories as well. I'll be like, what did the writers bring to eat today? Segment. We'll be opening <laughs> up and seeing what you got in there. Are, are you, as a tier two employee, are you allowed to mingle with us mere tier threes? I don't think I'm tier two. I don't think I'm not allowed near the players either. You're not tier two. I do not think so. At this, as we speak, no, there is going to be no one, not even my ugly mug, near the players. You can so. do a David Letterman gag where you, you know, may I please see the contents of your bag, and then you <laughs> yes. it and, and give a canned ham at the end or something. Yes. I'm no, surprised you didn't one, hear yeah. the the players celebrating that I won't be around them. At all. No, they're trying to cut off literally as much access to the players as possible, put them in the most possible bubble. Although, once they leave the stadium, they're free to go where they want. So, 
kind of uh, defeats the purpose a little bit there, but uh, it is what it is. I'm not sure you can quarantine people for two or three months. That would be very difficult, especially with families and kids. Uh, but no, I will not be around the players. I will be in Zoom heaven just like you guys. So, or when you watch the games? Well, that is, uh, as we record this, up for debate as well. Uh, home games, I will be, I think I'm going to be allowed in the lower bowl. Uh, but not in the camera well. You're tier two then, brother. Brother. Well, no, your photographers will be down there. Be oh, some that's photographers good point. Down there, so. Good point. There'll be a select few that will be down there, <clears throat> but I think. So we what have do to... you guys think the spring training will be like? I mean, it's just hard to. It's it's so short. I mean, yeah. I, I wonder what they're going to do. I think you're going to see some ugly games early on, just because they haven't had the normal spring training games. Um, hitting is all about timing, and I think the pitchers are going to be ahead of the hitters come the season time, just because the pitchers or the hitters aren't going to get enough live abs, real live abs. Um, I don't, you know, I think the the teams have the option of playing three or four exhibition games. I'm not sure. There's going to be some teams that probably won't play any. They don't want to go through that headache. Um, of I know the, the Cardinals have said they don't. Yeah, the logistics of it of just. Someone's got to travel somewhere else, and that's why you have a 60-man taxi squad so that you can get as much. It'll be a lot of inter-squad scrimmages. I can, I can see, you know, maybe if, say, the Cardinals open at the Reds, maybe you do a little bit the day before, yeah. especially if it's a three-game series, so right. you're the other guy before. Maybe something like that, the Chicago teams, the New York teams, the L.A. teams. That's honestly about all I can see actually doing that right yeah and then you throw in the extra deal with the guys that are out at uh in mason at prasco park it's going to be it's going to be so wildly different than anything we've ever covered i mean with spring training 1.0 we you know you walk around the the complex you can see different guys in different spaces i mean all we're going to be able to see is basically what's happening on the main field at gabp and that's it we can't see the bullpens we can't see anything else so it's going to be interesting to see. I think the first few days there'll be a lot of interest in, in covering it from a lot of different outlets, and I think that'll wane, and it'll be just us probably for a few of those, those days, and you know we'll see what we see. But I, I, I think it'll be interesting and different. Well, well normally well, the uh... training starts so slowly. You know, they build up very slowly. That's not going to be the case. I mean, you got three weeks, so they're going to have to try to get ready as quickly as possible. I think it's going to be – different uh without without the games too that's just it's a whole different uh way of looking at things i think the big thing will be like media wise spring training really serves as access for media i mean that's kind of the biggest perk of it now it's going to be almost like we're all we saw the japanese media following shogo around and watching his batting practice and kind of analyzing his batting practice i could see us having to be like you know, Joey Votto hit three homers in batting practice today. That's what we're going to have to go off of, and his power looks back. Yep. I can't wait to read your story on that, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's had the most homers in batting practice this yeah. week. It's, it's going to be interesting, and uh, going back to what John had said earlier, uh, with these expanded rosters, man, you're going to see a new pitcher. Once the starter goes out of the game, you're going to see a new pitcher every – half inning inning 
And those guys are just going to be firing on all cylinders. So I think the hitters early on are going to have a, a struggle, man, because they're going the pitchers. They're going to be working half innings or one inning, and they can get ready for that in three weeks. Um, what's the over under? What's the over under on combined no hitters this year? Ooh, wow! Yeah, yeah, two and a half. Yep. By the way, don't forget the three batter rule still in effect for those relievers. They they can't just situationalize. They got to pitch to three guys if it's the start of an inning. Yeah. Thank God, actually. Now that we yeah. think about it, yeah. Like, I'm glad change. that that uh, that rule, even though it was somewhat maligned, uh, I'm kind of happy to have it in there, especially when you have 30 man roster to start the season for the first two weeks, and yeah. then 28 for the two weeks after that. Yeah. That's one of the funny things they, you know, they're putting the runner on second in an extra inning game. That's going to slow the game. That 10th inning is going to be so slow. If you have a fast runner on second base, you're going to be throwing back, you know, stepping off and everything. So it's going to slow it down initially. But uh, one thing yeah, I thought is, gets down. Yeah. Well, I, I think, you know, if Michael Lorenzen isn't pitching, you want you want him to be your guy on second base. I mean, I think yeah. there's. It's a great point. I'm sure the Reds have looked at all this stuff, but there's there's a lot of little nuances where you can do things differently. But yeah, I, you know, he's he's the guy. He's probably the second or third fastest guy on the team. That you know, you put him out there and see what happens. If if he hasn't pitched or he pitched the day before, why not waste? Why not use him rather than waste? Will they be bunning that guy over? On that. Yes, but following up on John with Lorenzen, Lorenzen then has flexibility to stay in the game either as a pitcher or as a an outfielder. He has the flexibility there if it does go to an 11th. That's a really you know, John, I hadn't thought about that, but um that's a he he's a he's a 10th inning specialist almost. Yeah. Will they be bunning that guy over? I think we're going to yeah. I, I think it depends on where you are in the order. Yeah. You know, if Joey Votto or uh Mustakis is up Probably not, but if, right. I think, you know, if you're if you're ninth hitters up, yeah, probably do. But or and it's also going to be we're going to see it's a huge home field advantage, just to, just like in um, college football where it's an advantage to have the second uh, possession. Well, the home team's going to have the second possession every time. They know what to do. So if the visitors score one in the top of the inning in the bottom of the inning you're not going to bunt you're going to go for the win you're not going to go for the tie or yeah. maybe you do go for the tie to make sure you have it, it it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out in the minor leagues though i think we've seen something i think was it like 75 percent or somewhere around 75 percent are decided after one inning yeah so um we're not going to see a lot of the 11th and 12th and 13th well, I, I think if it's a, a permanent thing, Billy Hamilton's career will be <laughs> extended. The Giants are pretty happy to have him, I'm guessing. Yeah, scoring on a, a ball deep in the hole of the infield. Uh, and he's not going to play before the 10th. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he's going to be like that emergency catcher, you know, that that you only use it for certain situations if you have to. But once you get to the 10th, put him in there. Especially hey, the Billy, top of the 10th. how do you tenth. feel about that? I'm curious. What are, your, what are your thoughts, Billy? Are you joining the podcast right now? <laughs> I retired my Billy Hamilton impression. What? <laughs> Jim Day. I'm getting booed on my own podcast. You do realize I can edit this, right? 
<laughs> Somebody can edit it for you, yes. No, I edit my own podcast. I am a team of one. You are looking at the team. I am the promotions department. I am the engineering department. I am the you, production department. Are you the salesman, too? I'm not the salesman. Oh, Mr. Jim Day does it all except for make the money. <laughs> no, I got you. Take the money. You got to have good content before you, um, you know, in, indulge in uh, selling it. Which, by the way, is a great lead in, Trent. Thank you very much. We'll get back to our discussion, our Writers Roundtable, after these messages from our friends from Kroger. Hey Reds fans, this episode of the Gym Day Podcast is brought to you by Mission Tortilla Chips. Crispy, tasty, and ready to dip into anything, our Mission Brown Bag Chips add just the right bite of flavor to any snack with just four simple ingredients and sea salt. Be sure to get Mission Brown Bag Tortilla Chips available at Kroger stores throughout Reds country. Go Reds! At Kroger, we always do our very best to make sure we've got you covered. Restocking our shelves with help from one of the country's biggest supply chains. Which means every day we're busy getting everything you need, from a fresh batch of berries to basics for your bathroom. We've even got dinner ready if you need it. Mmm, that does look tasty. And we'll continue to bring our A-game to get you what you need when you need it most. Kroger, fresh for everyone. All right, that was shameless. That was a beautiful lead-in, That was, and that wasn't even planned. But we thank Kroger fine folks at Kroger who are doing a bang-up job through this pandemic. I want to backtrack, boys. We, we just talked about the uh, starting a runner on second base in extra innings. Um, we got into the uh, how that might come off, but where do you feel? How do you feel about it? A lot of people are against it. I've been on record, and I can't believe this actually came out of my mouth publicly, but I have been on record saying, I'm for ties. I don't want to mess with the the way the game is played by, I think, putting a runner on second base is gimmicky. Not that ties aren't gimmicky, but you're not messing with the rules of baseball. Um, there have been ties in other sports at other times and still are. Over a 162-game season now, if over a 60-game season, I can see why they might want to do this. But over a 162-game season... You know how extra inning games messes up everything. It messes up your rotation. It messes up your sleep schedule. It messes up your travel schedule. The fans leave the ballpark. The fans tune out of games on TV. There's not many positives to extra innings other than us old purists saying, that's the way it's been and that's the way it's going to be. But over 162-game season, ties make sense to me. Your thoughts? Silence. I've silenced them. Thanks oh. for joining us for the Jim Day podcast. I'm, I'm going to let Bobby go first because I know Bobby is all about this uh, millennial ball. Yeah, I saw Trent say he liked ties, so I encouraged everyone on Twitter to boo him. I see nothing <laughs> wrong with ties. I just, it's, it's gimmicky, but college football makes it work. Hockey, you have the shootout. Soccer, you have a shootout, you know, penalty kicks. Not in the regular season of the Premier League. Gimmicks. They have ties. Yeah. Well, like World Cup. The world's or is it a most draw? popular sport has ties. Right, until the playoffs. And I'm fine. Here's the thing. Like, overtime hockey, they have a limit on it. And they have the ties. And you also have different 
the scoring system and all that. I'm fine with just a tie in hockey. Like that was the old one with that five minute overtime and then a tie. I'm good with that. Um, but that makes playoff hockey so much better. That's why playoff overtime playoff hockey is the best thing in sports. It's out, out, outstanding. And that's because in the regular, it's different than the regular season. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's saying that, well, in the regular season, a tie is okay. And the playoffs should play till the end. Um, and, I think that's a good way to do it. I, you know, especially with a shortened season, this gimmick is going to be weird and it's going to decide it's, it may come down to who has Billy Hamilton and that could factor a playoff spot. Now I'm fine this year. Everything's out the window. I just think you look at some of the foreign leagues. uh, I know the KBO and the uh, NPB after 12 innings, it's just a tie. Um, they usually have those rules, so it's not trying to implement anything new. Um, I see nothing wrong with that, uh, but I get baseball that you want to have a winner and you play. Uh, I think I think we should just reserve that for the playoffs. I you generally know, I think don't like rules league. where they change the format of the game after a certain inning or a certain period in hockey. In, in the overtimes in hockey, you take a guy off the ice. It's it's becomes three on three, I believe. And four on four. And I just don't, I don't like messing with the schematics of, of sports, whether it's football, baseball, hockey, et cetera, soccer. I, I like it to be consistent. And if a tie keeps the numbers consistent, and, and if one thing that baseball has going for it over its legacy is, is statistics and uniformity to the numbers, and they all mean the same thing in 1900 as they do in 2000. Uh, I, I would prefer not to have the, the runner on second rule and just stick with the tie. However, I, I, just like everyone else, this year is a great year to experiment and mess with mess around with things and tinker and try stuff out. Well, I, I think historically they did have some ties because you couldn't play at night. So, yeah. you know, if it went so many innings, they had a tie. I, you know, all the historical. How many of those games know. did you cover, John? Oh, yeah. one of the Ridley field, the, uh, the great pitching performances about the Reds ended in a tie. I, 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 I tried to look it up. I couldn't real quickly, but yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, I yeah, I, I, I could go with the ties. I think it's kind of gimmicky to do this, but I think it's going to, the first time it happens is really cool. I, I think I covered the first overtime college football game ever. It was Miami versus UC and everybody's like, Oh God, we don't even know the rules, but they, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was fun. So I think, I think this year, if people like it, I think it may be back, but uh, you know, every, everything's going to be different this year. So I think, you know, to try, it's a, a fine thing to do. I hated the you- wild card at first, you know, the two wild cards and the one game playoff. I hated it at first and I've come to like it. So I could be 100% wrong. I've been wrong a lot. Um, people on no here kidding. know that. Yeah. We, yeah, you, you've been wrong a lot. We yeah. keep a list. But if you think about like if a game ends in a tie at the in the eleventh inning, say you know after the eleventh inning it ends in a tie, well teams in that eleventh inning are going to change the way they play, knowing the game ends in a tie. You're almost going to have kind of the runner on second. Teams are going to be bunting. If you're playing for one run, otherwise the game ends in a tie. To me, you're kind of taking the same strategy just without the runner on second. I'm for ties after nine basketball. You're going to need a shot clock. Yeah, I'm for ties <laughs> after nine innings. I don't even want to go to 11 innings. 
Jim, you want to tie after the seventh so you can go out and hit the streets. That is not true at all. We, I want a full nine-inning game. But I, I'm just for someone, and you guys are the same way. You've been over 162-game season. You've seen these extra innings. I mean, how many times in the press box or even as announcers where you're saying, yes, we're going to the 13th. Woo! Awesome. Everyone's like, oh, gosh, going to the 13th inning. There's. No- I remember in San Francisco a couple years ago, uh, that because it was a late game or whatever, I was at the Enquirer at the time, and when I filed my story, the morning desk shift was already in. So that's who I filed my story with. I said, hey, you guys got in here at like 5 a.m. My story, they were already in the office because we went like 18 innings. Yeah. Well, if I remember Wilson Valdez pitching against the Reds in Philadelphia in the 19th inning game and getting a win. Yeah. Oh, that, that, yeah. Game that was a year to the day after the, uh, the, the infamous game in San Diego that went 18 innings. Oh, man. Both Josh of those were, were just brutal. And, um, I mean, how well, the, uh, Wilson Valdez, I got my inquire. I was actually, I was at home. I wasn't at the inquire at the time, but I got my inquire before with John Faye's running story. I got my inquire before that game ended. Wow. I, I, th- I think it, in that case where you go 18 innings, it affects you for a, a week or so. It's, it's, it was always or a career. Or a career. Yeah. For Aaron game. Like a, a 60 game season, do you, do you want that to affect it? So, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with it. Yeah, I'm fine with the runner on second base during this season. Um, I think they, they need to end the games as quickly as possible. Uh, over this 60-game season just because of the, the sprint and the health of the players. But over 162, man, I mean, how many how many times have we seen a 14th inning? There's no one in the stands. They've left. They're gone. So is that exciting that we're ending the game with very little people in the stands except for Woo Guy? <laughs> That's you. No. You won't have the Woo this that year. Is- that is the all-time secret that Jim Day is the no. woo guy. Let, let me tell he you what. He sits down there. The let's why you I hear it about. so well yeah. on the microphones oh, to yeah. pick up from the thing. It's first Jim th- Day. Like, Tom and – Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, first thing I thought about when they said uh, no fans in the stands, I'm like, well, that sucks, but at least there's no woo. <laughs> now we'll hear it and we'll all know. You'll be exposed. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Um while we're on that subject, uh, no That'll fans just be... in the stands. That'll... I mean, this does is that gonna... mean no Redzilla? <laughs> you know, I bet you they, they still roll out Redzilla. Bobby loves Redzilla. Bobby's crushed. They'll be shooting those things up into the press box because you guys will be the only ones there. Actually, so if you're in the press box, I'm good with that. But other than that, I don't want anything. <laughs> uh, no fans. I mean, it's. As much as we say, wow, we can't wait to watch some baseball, it's going to be very, very different and very, very quiet. Although I think you're going to see the the some of the teams pipe in some crowd noise in the stadium. I think you're going to see the walk-up music still. You're going to see the intros. You're going to see the fireworks after home runs. I think they're going to do all that. But during play, it's going to be awfully, awfully quiet. I hope the mics don't pick us up, me and Mark, what we talk about. Well, we're going to have to have a, a seven-second Joey Votto strike three called delay, if you know what I mean. Somebody's got to be quick on that mute button yeah. as soon as they see strike yeah. three with Joey. Mute. <laughs> yes. The producer's job just got a little one. bit harder. 
Yeah, he's not the only I one. It's going to be it, very it's quiet. Be hard without the feeds. It'll be hard. Yeah. Because they add a lot to the game and the noise. I mean, yes, the, the, the woo in the 13th inning against the Pirates detracts from the game, but the, the the general consensus is the fans make the game exciting. It's it's a lot of fun and a key moment when they can get organically excited about all this that's going on. And, and you, you know, just watching, you know, Korean games and games in Taiwan, and, and now I've watched some – English uh, Premier League soccer, not having the fans, even with piped in noise, is just a tough, tough deal. It's better than nothing to be able to watch it on TV and, and have the game on, but it's, it's, you definitely miss the excitement. Well, the five of us know this really well. Like when they close the press box, cause they have open windows um, that, that roll open. And when they close it for rain or um, Mark being too cold, um, it can be – it's just so different. It's terrible, right, guys? I mean, you just – And you can hear not every the conversation. Same. Every conversation. Well, yeah. Yeah, oh, my yeah. bad. <laughs> Something you don't want to hear. <laughs> Some people that don't had, shut up. I had a guess before the end of the season they will have fans in Great American. Really? It's, it's, it's not the, – the epidemic is not as bad here. The numbers have dropped a little bit. You, if, if you put 20,000 people in there, you can social distance. If, if you're with your wife or whatever, you can sit next to her and then three seats over. I, I, I think they probably will. I think uh, Governor DeWine's a big baseball fan. I think, I think they He's will. He's a fly. season ticket holder of the Reds. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, I would guess. I mean, it's again, you know, Tucker Barnhart saying we're going to start on April 9th. So everything could change, but I think if everything goes as it has recently, I, I wouldn't be surprised if in August we have fans in this. I, I think the biggest thing for John's point is uh, we're going to have games. It's going to overlap with college football season. If they have fans at Ohio state, you got to have fans at great American. Yeah. And I think they're going to do everything they can to have fans at Ohio state and the NFL and those kind of things, but but especially Ohio State in Columbus, that might be the the bell cow for this around the state. Well, um, ultimately, the numbers are going to tell the story of the pandemic. If if cases are spiking like they are in Texas and Arizona, and they are seeming to be going up around here, you're not going to have fans. Well, I don't uh, know that you know have the, baseball. The plans are in place um, to social distance as far as selling tickets and where they would sit. Those plans are already ready to rock and roll. All they would need to be given is the okay to let fans in. Um, so they have. Uh, I saw Chicago. They're thinking about selling tickets to the rooftops just because they're they're different addresses, so they don't count as Wrigley Field. So it's like twenty percent capacity is maybe fifty people. But can you imagine how much people would pay if you're like. You know, you're one of 200 people to get to watch a Cubs game. Yeah. Tops. Wow. Opening day, those those tickets will go pretty high. Oh, no doubt. No doubt about that. All right, who uh, on the field, who, who are you excited to watch? Who do you think is going to shine during this 60-game season as far as the Reds go? I want to see I want to see Shogo. I mean, he's kind of the one free agent that is the biggest wild card. You kind of know what you're getting with Moustakis, Castellanos. Wade Miley, you kind of know what you're getting, but he's such a wild card. I mean, is he your center fielder of the future? Is he going to be playing left field? It seemed like in spring training, he's kind of embraced the on-base type role. He doesn't seem like a guy that's going to hit more than, you know, five or ten homers a season in a regular 162-game season. 
So I'm most interested just to see him, see how he translates. Guys have a good track record, actually, of their first year from Japan coming over to Major League Baseball. It seems like they do well. So, And especially for him, I mean, having to sit out the pandemic like he has. And, you know, no one could imagine this would have been how his first year played out. I think since Bobby took my answer, uh, I'll say Nick Senzel. Uh, number one, he was on the border of not being ready for a regular opening day. And, you know, he was off to a slow start. But the fact that it's year two of his of his career and, you know, he had some pretty good things going on until he made a, a swing adjustment and then got hurt. But I, I think a fully healthy Nick Senzel in his, in his former uh, batting approach and, you know, having that much more experience and possibly being turned loose to play other positions if they don't just stick him in center field. I don't know what they're doing yet with that. I think he could be a pretty dynamic player. I'm just somebody I'm, I'm interested in seeing. I'd say Trevor Bauer. I mean, everyone assumes he's going to be pretty good, but he was really bad last year with the Reds. And, you know, he's he's a guy that he's been throwing a lot, so he – I think he could come out really strong. I think if he's good, that really cements the rotation. You know, how refreshing is it that we have so many different available options? Uh, it's kind of crazy. I mean, we haven't even mentioned Nick Castellanos yet. Um, and my answer, of course, is Shogo. Uh, I think uh, we all know I have a uh, – I lived in Japan, so I uh, – I didn't I hear really, that. I, I haven't once. heard that. What? I, what? Are you sure? I, I have another story coming out, uh, I, I think, tomorrow. I didn't know this. <laughs> Something else. Really? <laughs> New information. Wow. Breaking news here on the podcast. Now <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got him. Uh, yeah. So, um, but I mean, Nick Castellanos, how about Joey Votto? I mean, what kind of Joey Votto do we see? Uh, you know, Sonny Gray coming back, Luis Castillo. I, I, there's just so many huge answers to this um, that it's kind of refreshing and that's, that's kind of fun. And it's not, these are all like positive. Like I can't wait to see this guy. And, um, and we have a guy who hit what 16 homers in August that we haven't even brought up. This is uh this is fun. And or the I, guy that hit 49 homers for the season. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, that's, that's kind of the excitement of all this. And I, I think uh, it gives us, there are four guys here who have to figure out how to write something different every day. And it gives us chances to, to write that. And I, I, that's pretty exciting, honestly. Yeah. I just think the whole, you know, everyone was kind of down that, Oh, it might not happen. There's not going to be a season, but I think once they decide to have it, I think, I think everybody's kind of like, oh, this is going to be cool. It's going to be so different that it kind of intrigues you. So we'll see. But, yeah, there's there's a lot of different guys on the Reds that, to watch and see. It's going to be fun. There's been a lot made about the Reds' rotation of having five or six guys that are solid and you know three guys you could legitimately run out there on opening day. Um, over a 162-game season, that's a massive uh, benefit or an advantage. Do you think that's be, 60 games kind of takes away the Reds being loaded? Or you think it's just the opposite that, that I mean, anytime starting pitching is everything. Um, but does it take a little bit of the advantage away of having, you know, a deep rotation over 162 games, whereas a 60 game sprint, these guys aren't going to get as many starts. Where do you stand? Is that a, a disadvantage or still an advantage for the Reds? 
I think the better pitchers you have, it's always a better, you know, it's always an advantage. Um, and, you know, you'll still have guys going every, you know, you're not going to have a four man rotation this year. Um, you, you might even see a six for at some point yeah. um, just to, to get these things done. Or you have two guys in, say you do have a five man rotation. You have three of those guys, maybe one who's in the, in the rotation and then two other guys and say like Lucas Sims and Tyler Malley, who then is who then are available for three and four inning stints every couple days that can really help you that depth there. Um, there's a lot of ways to look at this. And honestly, if there's one person I want figuring this out, it's Derek Johnson. That's a huge advantage. Derek Johnson. We saw what he did with the brewers a couple of years ago in their rush to the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that he is someone who is thought differently and is, you know, you want to talk about the, the plans that are in place for selling tickets and getting people in place. Derek Johnson's been thinking about this and that's a guy that I would, you know, if I wanted to choose someone to have in my corner, how to strategize all this, that's a, that's a big positive. I think the Reds are better set up than any team almost, but partly because of Derek and his college coaching experience, he's done the 60 game schedule much of his life. And, but then, like you know, Trent said, you could have Luis Castillo early on do four innings or three innings, and then have Lucas Sims or Malley backing him up, and that that gets you. You wondered how you're going to get to the, the the back end of your bullpen to Garrett, Lorenzen, and and Iglesias. That's how they're going to do it probably early on, and I think that sets up really well for them. Um, you know, and then if when they can extend out and get a little bit later in the season, that's just going to be a nice weapon to have. I think I think the Reds really do set up pretty well for the, the 60 game sprint. I actually think it's worked them a little bit because they had a really good rotation. And if you have a good rotation, you have a chance to win every night. So you want to play as many games as possible. 60 games is, is much fewer. And you talk about Lucas Sims or Tyler Malley. They're, they're not as proven as the guys they had in the rotation. So I, I think it hurts them a little bit. I think, again, Derek Johnson, what he does is, is big and, you know, they, they've, they've had a lot of time to think about this. So I, I think they'll come out with a plan. But I think if, if you went into this season with that rotation, I I would have picked them like second in the in the division. I, I, I don't know as much. They didn't address the bullpen very much. They brought in Pedro Strope, who's the only guy they brought in. So the, the bullpen wasn't very good last year. So I think it they're going to have to figure some things out. I think you, you look at the start Luis Castillo had last year, and I think you have to be encouraged saying, you know, these guys are fresh. If they're only going four to five innings at the start of the season, I think that plays to their advantage. I mean, they don't have to pace themselves. You look at guys like Sonny Gray and Trevor Bauer, how nasty of stuff they have. If it's only if they're only have planning to pitch four or five innings at least at the start, you know, I think that makes them that much better of pitchers thinking you don't have to throw seven or eight innings each start. Who is the team to beat in the division? Who you got? I think it has to be St. Louis. I mean, just the defending division champs. They have the pitching. They have the defense. Offense was their problem last year, but, um, you know, I feel like that's an easier fix than if your pitching struggles. And I like their bullpen. As long as they stay healthy, I think they're, you know, I think every team's a little bit clumped together, at least the top four teams in the Central. But um, I, I think they have a little bit of an edge on everyone else. Cardinals have an edge, but I also think teams like the Cubs, you know, now they have a place to put Kyle Schwarber that isn't awkward, DH, you know, and they'll have a chance to really maximize their offense a little bit more. 
their pitching is a little bit suspect um, compared to like the Reds and the Cardinals, but the Cardinals have, you know, Flaherty and nice bullpen and they have a good lineup. They have, I'm sure uh, Goldschmidt won't have a subpar year this year if he's, uh, he's been staying in shape. So it's going to be the, the, those top three teams, like the Reds, Cardinals and Cubs. It should be interesting. The Brewers, you know, they might still be a factor too. And even the Pirates, you know what, if the Pirates get lucky, I wouldn't, you know, they're, they're they, if I'm their fans, I would be paying attention to the Pirates just because, you know, you know, they have a chance until they don't. They might catch a breeze. Who knows? It yeah, is going to be Cardinals. fascinating to see what happens. The Reds a playoff team, boys? I think if they expanded the playoffs, you'd say, yeah. But, it, you know, I, I mean, they, they were an under 500 team last year. So I, they, they brought in a lot. I think they improved themselves a lot. But, again, we, we – we don't know what the season is going to be like. It's just so different at, at 60 games. I, th- I think the one thing you can't afford to have a long losing streak. I think they're going to have to uh, manage every game like it's a playoff game. So we'll see. But I, I think they definitely have potential to be. Yeah, they just can't get off to a bad start. There's no time for one and eight like they did last year, I believe, and playing catch up. What would an eight-game losing streak be equivalent to over a 162-game season? An eight-game losing streak and 60-game season. That would like be... a 20-game losing streak. Yeah. Right? Something like, I'm, not a, I'm not a math guy, but I think that's about right. Just under 20, yeah. Be devastating. You're not a math guy. You need a math guy. You got to have yeah. a math guy. <laughs> I had a Goldsboro go. High shirt, John Faye. <laughs> Goldsboro High, get some Gotta have barbecue a with some coleslaw on top. Gotta have a math guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's tired. All right, who's your team MVP? Who's the Reds MVP this year? I love putting you guys Mike on the Moustakis. spot. Mike Moustakis says C. Trent. Will his average be better? You're talking about a, a better average? You're talking about bombs, RBIs? What are we talking about? Talking dangers. I'm talking just kind of all around that uh, that kind of that glue. Gotta have a glue guy. I mean, you gotta, gotta have a glue have, guy. You know, clutch man moosey. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I just, for some reason, I got to feel it about uh, Moustakas. I don't think the average I'm not worried as much about, um, but but I think he kind of fits in in that middle of the lineup and and just a, a clutchy guy. The analytic people are listening right now are like, average doesn't matter anymore anyways. Doesn't. You got to look at DH Nick, uh, Nick Castellanos as a MVP candidate. I, I, I can't imagine. I mean, I, I know they'll probably have choices at DH, but if you put him at the DH spot and not have to let him worry about defense – I think he could probably do a lot of damage offensively. Mm-hmm. I'll take Gino Suarez and give you guys the field. Wow, it's wow. probably nice. fair. That's very that's fair. fair. I'll take I'll take Trevor Bauer. I thought he looked really good in the spring. You can do a lot of weird things with him. And I mean, after he got called out by Kurt Schilling and Aubrey Huff, I think he kind of has to back it up this year. <laughs> that was... you going with a pitcher? Pitcher can't win MVP, Bobby. Don't you know anything? Uh, yeah. He he's going to be lobbying to pitch every fourth day, as he always oh, is. Always is, but in this situation, he's going to be like, "Hey, if you need to but, rest, guys, you don't need a six-man rotation. Just pitch me every fourth day and move everyone back." Because otherwise, I mean, he's going to get eleven, twelve starts. Yeah, I mean, you got to go twelve and zero in those to to be the MVP. 
That's that's something that just occurred to me. Will they use starters not on their starting day? Yeah. Because if they go four innings, so theoretically in two days they're going to pitch a bullpen. Could they go in an inning or two? But if they do in the playoffs, so yeah. I, yeah. There's, there's, an there's inning of Luis Castillo? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fastball up to 99, 98 because he's letting it rip for an inning. It's going to be interesting. I, I know you guys have uh, thought about this at nauseum, uh, how you're going to cover it, how what's going to happen. Um, and as we've said during this podcast, there's just so many unknowns, which makes it more intriguing. Uh, we've come to grow, you know, we've grown to expect what happens during a baseball season, and it's kind of the same thing most of the time over and over, although there's that old adage, come to a game, you'll see something you've never seen. But for the most part, you know, you see the same thing. So we have no idea what's going to happen over the 60-game season, if it indeed happens, or if if they make it to the finish line. Um, so it is going to be uh, very interesting, and guys like uh, the aforementioned Derek Johnson and David Bell, they're going to be earning their money this year because managers are actually going to make a very big difference in how this thing plays out. Um, Strategy is going to come in big time. So, gentlemen, Thank you very much for this roundtable discussion. It's been uh, fascinating. I look forward to you still have some time to go before you uh, have to write about games, so creatively filling the content. Uh, I look forward to seeing what you guys come up with. All right, boys, thank you very much. Once again, uh, check out uh, the work on, uh, what is it, Cincinnati.com, right, boys, from the Inquirer? Cincinnati.com. For Mark Sheldon, it is MLB.com. And for C. Trent Rosecrans, it is The Athletic. Pay for all of them. Well, you can, you know, The Enquirer. Subscribe to The Enquirer. Subscribe to The Athletic. Uh, follow Mark Sheldon. Ben the more the merrier. Support, because you want the breadth. You want different coverage. And all five, four of us here, five of us here, are trying to do different things. And the more of us that are here, the better for the fan. And um, my friends, Bobby, John, and Mark, and Jim all do different things than the rest of us. And uh, the more of us that are around, the more that you read, the smarter you are, and the better uh, entertained you are. And, and each of us has their own outlook. And I think they're, it's important to, to read different uh, kind of looks at things. And, and thank you, Jim, for having us all here so that I mean, you see this and um, support the Enquirer, support MLB.com, support the Gym Day podcast presented by Kroger and The Athletic. How about that? Wow. Goodness gracious. Is there a script I'm for ready that? for NASCAR. <laughs> you were. You support got them all in. Live so Marty could text you during it and tell you how weak it is. Oh, you, you Says the can. man who has read more ad reads than anybody on the face of the earth. <laughs> You could book that Marty will be texting me because the games Marty's that he had off. a big off, fan of the podcast. What's I'm that? Sure. I'm sure Marty's a big fan of the podcast and digests every one the, the moment it drops, as they say. Well, he would never admit to it, but he's actually brought up things that only has been on the podcast. So I think he is a little bit of a listener out there. Plus, he's been on Good. a million times. Did it start with, let me ask you this. Oh, yes. <laughs> I got a call the other day, and it started with that very sentence. Let me ask you something. And he didn't say, like, hey, how you doing? It's Marty. What do you Let me ask you something. And I'm like, oh. 
I can report that he's doing well. I, I ran into him at uh, Graders on Beachmont with uh, with his wife Amanda, and uh, he had his mask on and he was feeling good. But he wasn't going to wait in the drive-through. He wanted to go straight into the into the joint and get his ice cream. Did he pay? Did he have to pay? I'm guessing he had probably had a gift card, but you know, <laughs> maybe he paid. I don't know. All right. Once again, please support. Cincinnati Inquirer, Cincinnati.com, MLB.com, and The Athletic. And you'll be reading a lot about from these guys as the season goes on, and we're all going to cross our fingers that, indeed, 2020 MLB season does happen in its entirety, and we'll be crowning the Cincinnati Reds world champions later on this year. We're going to end on a positive note right there, boys. As always, thanks for joining us here for the Jim Day podcast on this very special Writer's Roundtable, and we'll see you on down the road. So long, everyone.